We need to take care of the little stuff is the title of this message. The prophet Jeremiah was called by God to urge God's people to turn from their sins and to turn back to God. He preached to the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, which were the southern kingdom and its capital city, Jerusalem. Now, with that in mind, we've got to understand that many people do not want to be reminded of their sin. Even today, as it was in even 627 B.C., it, it causes dissension sometimes uh, against the speaker or the, the messenger, that the one who's trying to convey this fact that, that we, we are all sinners and we need Christ to get through this life and we need him to see eternal life as well. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't set well with some folks. And so they look at us and say, well, who are you to tell me that? Actually, I'm nothing, but this is something. This, this is, God's telling you this, not me. I'm not speaking my words. I'm saying what God says, and that's why we need to know that and know this book and what life-giving ability that it has in our lives. Such was the case for our brother Jeremiah. In chapter 11, he prophesied destruction to his hometown of Anathoth. What was their response? They wanted to kill him on the spot. Jeremiah 11, verses 18 through 23. Then the Lord told me about the plots my enemies were making against me. I had been as unaware as a lamb on its way to slaughter. I had no idea that they were planning to kill me. Let's destroy this man and all his words, they said. Let's kill him so his name will be forgotten forever. O Lord Almighty, you are just and you examine the deepest thoughts of hearts and minds. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. The men of Anathoth wanted me dead. They said they would kill me if I did not stop speaking in the Lord's name. So this is what the Lord Almighty says about them. I will punish them. Their young men will die in battle, and their little boys and girls will starve. Not one of these plotters from Anathoth will survive, for I will bring disaster upon them when their time of punishment comes. Not a lot of grace in the Old Testament was all cut and dried because God was trying to build his nation and his people. And this is how he did it because it was the only thing, the, the only way that he could get their attention. So this is what happened. His prophet went into his hometown, prophesied they wanted to kill him, and then God says, well, there's going to be some punishment. Now, let me, let me reiterate the fact about punishment. It, it, it's for all of us. No, nobody's going to escape that judgment and punishment. It is, it comes for those who follow Christ. But if you want to see the effects of that, you look at a graphic picture of Jesus on the cross. He took your punishment for you, the majority of it. But those that ignore God and continue to shake their fist in his face, their day's coming. And, and sometimes we want it to come now as in Jeremiah's case. And God did it for that one city, but Jeremiah wasn't satisfied. He wanted the whole nation punished because the nation had turned from God. They were burning incense and worshiping idols such as Baal, which is like worshiping the devil. And that's what they were doing. And Jeremiah, he wanted God to put the hammer on him. He wanted it taken care of. But you see, that's the thing about God's timing that we don't understand. In God's timing, it's coming. All of the ungodly will be punished and they're not going to get out of it regardless 
In the final days, a great white throne judgment, but that's when, when it comes home. But for the children of Israel, and this is chapter 12, and then over in chapter 25, we read that punishment did come. Nebuchadnezzar came from Babylon and his armies. He, he destroyed Jerusalem. He took the, the Jews captive, and they spent 70 years as slaves and workers in captivity in Babylon. That was the punishment, but it came. God was good for his word, but Jeremiah wanted it to happen now. Now, here's what Jeremiah, he questions the Lord's justice. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. Now let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? You ever think that? Why are evil people so happy? You, you have planted them and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips, but in their hearts, they give you no credit at all. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me and test my thoughts. Drag these people away like helpless sheep to be butchered. So let them, let them, set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land weep? Even the grass in the fields has withered. The wild animals and birds have disappeared because of the evil in the land. Yet the people say, the Lord won't do anything. The Lord's reply to Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5, then the Lord replied to me, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? The Lord's answer to Jeremiah's complaint is meant to teach him that he too, he is in too impatient. He would have to suffer even more that the time had not come. And when he had endured what he endured in his hometown of Anathoth would be insignificant compared with the trials he had yet to undergo. If the injuries done to him by the men of his hometown made such an impression upon him, what would he do when the princes and priests of Jerusalem would set upon him with all their power and might? What God's saying, you better be ready because if you're not ready, you'll fold up, you'll disintegrate. What would he do then? God now challenged him with the greater challenge of faith for greater trials in the future. In spite of his problems up to this point, his situation had been like that of a dweller in a peaceful land. God was getting Jeremiah ready for a greater challenge in his life, and Jeremiah is human like us. And he was building God's kingdom, and God has us on the face of this earth to build his kingdom. So the emotions and the feelings that Jeremiah sensed and felt, you and I do the same thing. So at that point in his life, Jeremiah was grieved by his own family to be hated, abused by them. It was almost too much for him to bear. You remember what they said about Jesus? No, the prophet is without honor in his hometown. And that, that's pretty, pretty true across the board, I think, maybe for, for a lot of us. They don't see the new person. They see the old person. They see the person who was in the clutches of Satan, was, was living like hell and doing all manner of things. And now when you come in as a new person in Christ, they don't want to recognize that because it makes them feel a little more guilty. They want you to be the way that you were. His mind was disturbed by it. He was also disturbed by an entire nation of people who were God's people that God had his hand on and they had turned their back on God and they were worshiping the devil. You might as well say it in that sense because that's what they were doing. He was discouraged in his work. He began to be wary of prophesying, to think of giving it up, of throwing in the towel. Nobody's listening to me, God. What is the point? Why, why am I 
doing this? Why am I taking this abuse? Not like being a preacher and a pastor, Jeff, some days. <laughs> you ever felt that way? Upset with, with your family, the way they treat you, when you try to mention God to them? And let's face it, I, I don't, there's probably not a family here this morning that doesn't have somebody in that family that is lost, that doesn't know Christ. And we know the end result. We can't keep that to ourselves. The end result is a burning hell. Hell is real, as real as we're, I'm standing on this stage. You can't, you can't rationalize that away. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven because it's a place and he doesn't want anybody to go there. That is the point. And that is our heart for our family, our family that's lost. Your mind ever disturbed? You ever get discouraged in your work? You ever, you ever think about walking away from God and the church? That's what a lot of people do when God really comes on strong with us and convicts us. We don't like it. We don't like being told that. We don't like being told that we're lost. We don't like being told that if you don't come to Christ, you're going to hell. We don't want to hear that. It bothers us. So we quit coming to church. Man, I'm, I'm not going to listen to that. Or sometimes we stay and we want to punish God in the church, so we'll keep all this money for ourselves. We're not going to give any money. We'll come and eat your donuts and drink your coffee, and that's, that's what we'll do. Man, that's a, that's a sad state of events to get to that point. God, don't forget that. But here's what God said to Jeremiah, and this is what he's saying to us today. You need to cowboy up. Where's your faith? What about all that I've done for you in the past? All the strength that I've given you and pulled you through some hard times, is that all for naught? As you follow me, God says, what you are experiencing now is nothing. You need to learn to deal with the small stuff because you're going to need to be much stronger in your faith as life goes on. Thus saith the Lord. And I think as you get older, you realize that. Maybe not as a young person, but you realize that uh, when some things in your body and your health starts going south a little bit, that uh, you might down the road, find a time where you're, all, you're laying on your back for hours and days and months and maybe even years. Are you going to need God then? He's going to be the only one around probably in those long hours. It's like I said in the first service. There's a lot of people of, that's here this morning that's been in this situation. They have faced these strong, these things, and they stayed strong in the Lord, and I praise God for you. Some people run away. They don't want to deal with it. But they hung in there, and you hung in there, and God blesses you for that. And this is what God is wanting Jeremiah to do in the text, 12.5. So, Jeremiah, if you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against horses? And if you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when the troubles break loose like the Jordan in flood? If you can't keep your wits when everything is peaceful and you fly off the handle and go crazy over things, what's going to happen when the big stuff does come? Well, you're going to fall apart. That's what he's saying. We all know what kind of problems flood cause, floods cause constantly. It's in the news, floods constantly. Many of us work floods, flood damage. We've seen it firsthand. You know, Clinton, you guys in Kentucky crawling around in them trailers after they flood and jerking that wet insulation out of there. We went down to Bilo Batter and worked on Katrina. They had 13 feet of water. 
Hurricane Ike in Port Arthur, Texas. We, a lot of us have seen that. We've seen the damage that can do. Well, floods come into our life as well. We need to take care of the little stuff so we will be strong and ready for the big stuff. The floods that are about to come in our lives. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was mentoring Tim, Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, yes, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Three-letter word, all. He, he didn't say only the Jews, only this segment of Christianity, whatever. He said all. All that live godly. That's us. We expect it. Expect it. It's, it's part of our witness and how we react to it, actually. God told Jeremiah he was impatient. Are you ever impatient? Do you ever react like Will Ferrell in this clip? Here, here's impatience pretty much full-blown. Ooh, I don't know. The Irish cream sounds good, huh? What's that? Uh, it's cream and it's, uh, it's Irish. Hurry up and order. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, how about a smoothie? What's in that? Smoothie's a juice drink. We want coffee. Buddy, relax. No, you relax. I'm a regular here. This line needs to move. I beg your pardon. Do you have scones? Tall, non-fat, double latte. Sir, you're at the back of the line. I recognize that. Cut it out or you're out of here. You can't kick me out. You know what? You're, you're really invading my ear space. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. Do you have a card? Do you have a card? No, I don't Does have anyone card. here have a card? We don't have frequent drinker cards. That's a video club card. Ah! Zip it there, Sporty Spice. Are we doing this? Oh. Is this happening now? Yeah. Want to go? Great. I'd Let's love do to. it. Oh. You're hurting me. You're hurting me. Was that anybody here? I had, I asked some before, and they said they were the one doing the choking, but I I didn't know if if uh, if. <laughs> Any of that was you. Man, that, that pushes your button, doesn't it? If, if you see me in Baszler's or Kroger's in Terre Haute, never get behind me in a line because inevitably I'll get in the wrong line and they'll have to go like on 15 items, I got to go check the price on them or something. It doesn't matter. You don't get behind me. That's just my advice. Long lines, any road rage here? Anybody grow horns when they're driving? I, I know there is. Boy, you, I'm going to pray for you guys because some of you guys are lying this morning right now. <laughs> I know. I've seen you in action. So the, the veins come out. You're gripping the wheel. Here's the deal. When you're, let's, let's, and this has happened maybe to all of us. You're going to Indy. You're in a hurry. You've, you've left a little late. You see traffic stop. Sometimes it's stopped a long way. So you, or it goes down to one lane. It goes down to one lane. So you get in the left lane like you're supposed to and the traffic backs up. Do you ever say anything when people whiz by you on the right to go up there and weasel their way in? Does that bother you? Anybody in here? Does it bother anybody? Or, well, that, that's what I'm saying. How many has ever driven on the median like eight miles to get to the next exit? <laughs> Linda Mason was going up to see Mark when he was in the hospital. I whipped by my Jeep, and one of the boys said, was that Eddie? I said, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> well, let me tell you a little story on that trip. I, get, I was driving that old Jeep uh, Cherokee. I get to the rest area. As, as God is my witness. I know I probably have a, a tendency to exaggerate a little, but this is, this is straight stuff right here. I had to go to the bathroom, of course, because when I was on the median, I was drinking coffee as well. I go, come back out and get in that Jeep, Nothing. 
the, I looked under, and the, the cover had come off the starter and the spring and the nut, and it was all laying right there. It, that's amazing, isn't it? God, God is teaching me about my impatience right there, but he, he rescued me. I put that on and hand-tightened that nut because I never carry tools. There's no use carrying tools because I don't know how to use them. But anyhow, we, we got, I, I drove the rest of the way. It's just, it just an amazing thing. Well, these tests for us are some of the little stuff we deal with on a daily basis. It might not seem like little stuff at the time, but it might seem like a giant, but it's not a big friendly giant either. Let me ask you, is the giant you're facing real or are you just letting the little stuff kind of gang up on you? I think after God spoke to Jeremiah, he was a little alarmed when he saw himself struggling with these little things. I, I, I think he's He's like us. He doesn't realize what's ahead. If you're worn out in this foot race with men, God said, what makes you think you can race against horses? If you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan and flood? What are you going to do? You're going to run away? You can run as far as you want to run, but you cannot run away from God. You remember David said, man, God, I go to the pits of hell and you're there. If I go to the highest part in heaven, you're there as well. You cannot run away from God. It's impossible. So why not embrace him and listen to him and be obedient and let, allow him to work in your life? You, you, need, you need to win some small victories every day and you need to celebrate them. Whether it's curbing your appetite or choosing your attitude or deciding not to get so angry over small issues. Satan studies your history and determines what you can handle. Then he decides his strategy accordingly. He's got a piece of paper. He's got a chart with all your names on it. And he's got a list of stuff that where he knows if he pokes us with a sharp stick, we're going to come unglued. Man, when a, when a Christian comes unglued and uses profanity sometimes and throws big fits... Uh, that is a terrible witness. I, I can't say it any other way. And I know sometimes we still struggle with stuff like that. But this is one of the small victories that you've got to stop and try to get control of. Say, Lord, help me with this. You know, the Holy Spirit will. It might take more than one time. It's the small battles that prepare you for the big ones. Before you run a marathon, you've got to run a mile. You've got to tackle the little problems with diligence. And we expect some pain along the way. Training's hard work. But man, is it rewarding. Do you have a appointed time with God every day? It starts there. A daily quiet time. If not, you should. Why should I do this, you ask? Here's four reasons. One, Jesus set the example to spend private time in prayer, Mark 135. The next morning, Jesus awoke long before daybreak and went out alone into the wilderness to pray. Second reason, to discover God's will and receive power to deal with life's trials, Romans 8:27. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us, believers in harmony with God's own will. Number three, receive encouragement and life from your maker, John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And in four, for the joy of knowing your savior better. You get to know him. John 10, 27, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you know Jesus' voice? He, he speaks to us every day. But sometimes we put our fingers in our spiritual ears and sometimes we don't hear. But if you are in tune with God, he speaks to you every day. 
What does my appointment consist of? Two vital parts. First is prayer. You talk to Jesus like he's your best friend, which he is. You develop your prayer life by starting out at five or ten minutes a day, and then hopefully you might get to that sweet hour of prayer someday. Here's six practical suggestions for effective praying. Number one, the length of your prayer does not determine its value, Matthew 6, 7. Effective prayers come from a humble heart, Luke 18, 9 through 14. Be specific. God wants to grant the desires of your heart, Psalm 20, chapter 4. Four, ask according to his will and his word, James 4, 3 and 1 John 5, 14. Pray in faith and with thanksgiving, Philippians 4, 6. Don't give up. Persevere in prayer, Luke 11, 5 through 10. In the second part of that is Bible reading. Instead of feeling bad that you haven't read your Bible from cover to cover, pick a chapter or psalm with an issue in life that you're dealing with that week and and live that chapter or that psalm all week. You're not turning in a book report here. You are building a life. You you can't have that now all-or-nothing attitude. It keeps you stuck. Go back to basics. Take care of the little stuff. As in the life of the prophet Jeremiah, as in my life and in your life, there are floods coming and storms hard, difficult situations and times. And this is a stark reality. Those of us that's been down the road a little farther, you look back and life didn't turn out exactly what I wanted it to be. There were storms that came that I didn't really appreciate. People have died that I were close to. Why did that happen? We've had tragedies with accidents and on and on, and it, it makes you question. It, it's, a real, it's a real test of your faith. Man, God, what are you doing? I've asked that question so much in my life that I, I try not to ask it anymore. I just say, God, my Father, you're in charge, and I am your servant, and I am your child, and you love me. And whatever comes my way, I've got to accept that and go through that with you. That, that's, that's what I have come to in my life. No, my life didn't turn out like I'd planned either. I would have changed some things. I wouldn't have had my mom die when I was eight. I wouldn't have had my dad die when he was 73, but I can go on and on. And all of you can as well. Some of you have lost children, and it's the terrible It's the most terrible pain that there is, I'm sure. You can't figure that out, but I came up with this conclusion. I get mad at God, and on my walks, I sometimes raise my voice because I I can't figure stuff out. He's okay with that. It's okay to be mad at God. Vent. He wants, at least you're having a conversation with him vent it out to God and then get back where you need to be with him. The problem is, is if you stay mad at God, you got a huge problem on your hands. You got to take care. I decided that I'd lever, I'd rather live with God than without him. That's my final stance on that. Every day, one day at a time, working on the little stuff in our lives that needs corrected and dealt with as the Holy Spirit shows you. Little stuff, it might be such as refusing to gossip. 
getting your body in a little better shape, forgiving somebody that you need to forgive, being a little less harsh with those that you live with. Quit a habit that's hurting you. Be kinder to others. Have a daily quiet time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the list goes on and on of all this little stuff that we all need to work on. Small victories, one, because we allowed God to help us work through it. Because it's the small battles that prepare us for the big ones. It's like with Jeremiah with us. How shall we preserve our integrity and peace when we come to the swellings or the floods of Jordan? When that huge tsunami sweeps you away, how do we keep our integrity and our peace? We've got to approve ourselves well in present smaller trials, keep our spirits up, keep hold of the promise with our eye on the prize, so run that we may obtain it. I heard a message one time, and in this message, this pastor was talking about keeping our eyes on Jesus, and he likened life to this huge stadium. And we are on the playing field, we who are alive on this earth. The stands are filled with this great cloud of witnesses that Hebrew 11 talks about that has gone on before us, and they're cheering us on. We're in the race. We're still on earth. And as we look at the end of that playing field, there's a raised platform, and that's the Bema Seat of Christ. And on that platform sits Jesus with our prize in his hand for us, and he holds it out to us. And to me, he's always smiling. I don't like mad Jesus. (laughs) I like happy Jesus. I like him with a smile on his face, and I love that picture of Jesus smiling. I got one in my office. That's That's what I want to see. You see what you want, but that's what I want to see. I don't want to see Jesus as he comes back in judgment as John the Revelator saw in the Isle of Patmos. He was a different Jesus. His eyes were burning like fire. It was different. It's different than it is now. But here sits Jesus, and he is encouraging us to run this race and keep our eyes on him constantly. From the time we get up in the morning till we go to bed, we keep our eyes on Christ. We don't, we don't glance out. You glance out in the world, you're going to see stuff you shouldn't see. And it, there's going to be people encourage you to get off that path and come over there and wallow in the mud for a while. That, that's, that's the problem we all face, myself included. But we run that race with the prize before us, and that prize being Christ himself. I'm pretty positive here this morning that all of us has at least one issue we need help from God with. And I think if we're honest, there'd be more than one. So that's my prayer this morning. That asking for help now and to guide you, then allow you, allow him to do it actually. See those victories in your life. You, you need a victory and keep racking them up. Why? Because it does wonders at strengthening your faith in Christ. Absolute wonders. You do a little bit at a time, and you get stronger in Christ and stronger in Christ. Till that one day that that temptation that you can't give up now, you're, you're able to say, no thanks, and move on. That's, and that's a victory. You need, to, you need to celebrate. You need to tell your brothers and sisters about that and celebrate together. And then when the flood comes, with Christ's help, you'll be able to stand strong and firm in the rising waters and withstand them. 
And then you will be able to say with confidence and assurance as you look the devil in the eye and say, bring it on, you slimy scumbag. You realize that Satan's hatred is in the scale of God's love for us. It's beyond anything we can imagine. And he works tirelessly day and night to destroy you and your family and your kids and your grandkids if you have them. That's his point. That's what he works on. It's his whole goal in life is to drag people, kicking and screaming, into hell itself. That's his plan. But we have the power as followers of Christ that we can stand and look him in the eye and shake our fist at him and say, you have no business here. I am a child of God. I've been washed in the blood. I am clean before God. You have no business, so hit the road. And you know what? James 4, 7 says, if you resist the devil, he has to what? Flee. He has to take off. Man, what, there's a, isn't there great power in that? That we have that ability? That you and I in Christ have the power to cast demons out of demonized people? We, if we use it, we have that power. God has given us that. Because greater is he that is in us that is in this world. And we have, to, we have to cling to that. So listen to God this morning as he speaks to you. And you know, like I said, we've, we've all got issues that we deal with. And I just pray that we deal with them now. Father, we love you. We give you praise and glory for who you are and the power that you put within us. May we not take that for granted. And Father, may we use that to work out the small stuff in our life as we get stronger and stronger and stronger in you. I pray for each person here this morning as they deal with you, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts. And if they, they need prayed with this morning, this altar's open. There's people up here that loves them, wants to pray with them. Or if they just want to have that feeling of bringing that burden, that issue, and laying it at the foot of, of the cross and getting up and leaving it there, so be it. So I just pray, Father, that you just guide and direct us at this precious time of the service where we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.